If you're a woman seeking a safe space to hear genuine conversations about faith, family, mental health, and life as a modern day woman, then girl, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Desiree Ofori podcast. All right, everyone. So here we are with a special guest, as I mentioned, Misty Seibert. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. It's great to be here. I am. I have been wanting to do something with Misty, like anything with Misty for forever, um, especially since I started um, my Sincerely Mrs. Mommy blog several years ago, back in 2016, I th- believe I started it. And she's just been such like a cheerleader, even before then, has just been such a cheerleader in my corner. I actually know Misty um, from college. She was my professor. (laughs) Good times, good times. My professor. (laughs) Um, I was at Southeastern University, almost at Southeastern College. When I started, it was Southeastern College. But I was the first graduating class with Southeastern University. (laughs) And um, Misty was one of my psychology professors. I had a degree in um, bachelor's degree in psychology. And and she was one of my um, one of my professors and one of my favorites. I, I would say Dr. Boyd was also a favorite. We all love Dr. Boyd. Can't mm-hmm. forget Dr. Hazel Baker too. Shout out to the greats. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Shout out to you guys. Um, but I'm just so thankful to have Misty here. So Misty was here at Southeastern, and then she got married and then moved. Right. Yep. You got it. She got married and then moved, has two beautiful daughters. And um, I just, I just love her so much. She's just, she's a breath of fresh air. I feel like kindred spirit. (laughs) And again, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. So Misty, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure, sure, absolutely. Again, Misty Cyber, thank you for the intro, Des. I absolutely love you. Um, we had so many wonderful memories and great teaching experiences together as, as professor and student at Southeastern. And so I feel like even as a professor, um, I learned from you as much as you probably learned from me, if not more. <laughs> so, um, because my students keep me grounded and I absolutely love that about them. And we all come from different walks of life and that flavors me um, as a professor speaking to her students to meet you guys where you're at not just in the realm of psychology, but as, as a people group. So it was neat. I absolutely cherish those times. So it was so fun. I miss those days though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. That was great. It was a great experience. So, but since Southeastern, let's see, 2011 had my first little one. I should back up a little bit. John and I got married in 2007. We did meet at Southeastern. <laughs> Sounds like a little cliche, but um, he was a music professor and I was running um, academic services and teaching psychology. And so Northern boy meets Northern girl and it rolled. So it was good. Um, and then we had Amelia, our first little one, and then Claire came shortly after. So that was good. And then we moved up to Pennsylvania. So we've been here since 2013, I think it is. So, but um, even with that, I've been in the mental health profession as a licensed um, professional counselor and licensed mental health counselor in the state of Florida. So I'm licensed in two places, um, specialize in kids, teens, college students, because that's that's my thing. I love them so much. Um, but I see adults too. So that's a plus. Um, there's a big difference between kids stuff, adult stuff, you know, daily issues and things just because we as adults can, what do I want to say, understand coping skills and the flow of life a little bit more than the little people do. So 
um, just my heart and my passion was the little people and the teens and the college students and kind of helping them swim through life. So yeah, so in practice now, it's wonderful. I absolutely love it. Um, I have to say any client that comes through my door or that gets passed to me through referral, I, I don't know what it is, but there's always a a connection. It, it's a God thing. It, there's always a connection. Like they're supposed to be with me and I'm supposed to be with them to walk life's journey with them and help them become better people. So, um, so I love what I do. Absolutely. I love, I love that you said that feeling like that connection, like we're, we're meant to be together. Cause yeah. I know for a lot of people, when they, when they're thinking of getting started with a therapist, there's that concern of, Am I going to click with them? Like you kind of have to, I, I mean, for me, I was, I was very blessed <laughs> the first time out the gate to get a therapist. And it was like, mm -hmm. boom, this is the one that I'm supposed to be with. And I did feel that way about her. Like she was who I was supposed to be with mm -hmm. at this time of my life. We had mm -hmm. a lot of things that she could relate to me and I could relate to her. And so it just really, really helped that process. So and I know a lot of people don't always get to have that experience like right off the bat. So to know that you feel that way, I feel like anybody, I think, I think it's up to the therapist too. Like if you already feel like that way, like whoever's going to walk through that door is supposed to be here. Mm -hmm. Like that would help to make the connection even, even better and easier for the other, for the client. Mm -hmm, for sure. And I always say too, like, if you don't have a connection with that therapist, like you talked about, it's just that. You feel that comfort level um, that you can share with them a, a lot of deep things. It's not just a shallow level of I'm here because I want to be more patient with whatever, or I want to be a better decision maker. There's a lot of deep stuff that takes place in a therapy office. And we're talking about traumas. We're talking about past abuses. We're talking about future healing processes, forgiving others, reconnecting with people that have wronged you or hurt you, or sometimes a, a scarring that has taken place in your life. And sometimes it is more anxiety, depression, eating disorder, self-harm, those types, but that's still a level of depth to that. So when you think about talking one-on-one -on -one with somebody and bearing your soul, mm -hmm. there must be a connection because, and I don't want that for my clients. If they don't connect with me, I want to find someone that will connect with them to better their healing process. Because if not, there's, you kind of come to a pass in the road where it's like, do we want to move forward? Do we not? What do we feel is missing in this? Yeah. Um, so it, it's so important for me to feel that connection with my clients and them to feel a connection with me because of the healing process that begins to take place, yeah. you know, yeah. even if it's something along the lines of parenting, right? Like, mm -hmm. I want to make sure yeah. does this person understand where I'm at and what I need wisdom wise when it comes to parenting my, my children, what do our belief systems line up with, mm -hmm. you know, and, and how can I let this person speak into my life and, and guide my kids, you know, essentially through me, you, right. you know, what helps that come take place if I don't feel a connection or trust. So absolutely. Yeah. And that's so important to make sure that, yeah, because you do share a lot and I know a lot of people want to say surface level, but in order to like really get the healing and the breakthroughs, you have to be able to be vulnerable. You have to be comfortable with going to those deep places and knowing that whatever you share with them, it's going to stay, <laughs> it's going to stay there. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to worry about being judged or how it's going to affect, like what you say to them is going to affect anybody else. Like we can go to our friends, we can go to our family members, but mm -hmm. sometimes 
um, even go to like our pastors or, you know, religious leaders, but there's always that piece of kind of like, but they know so much and I'm, and I'm seeing them outside of yes. <laughs> what we talked to and like what we talked about and where we were. Mm -hmm. And it just, I don't know, like those, those people are important, definitely important. But if there are things that you're feeling like, I just don't feel like I can talk to anybody about. Yeah. definitely going to a therapist is helpful because you're not going to be seeing them out and about in other settings. And even if you do, they're supposed to pretend like they don't really know you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. Don't be offended if you are out and about and you see your therapist at the grocery store or something and they ignore you <laughs> or they're just cordial. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Keep moving. Mm -hmm. And that does happen. Like, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, living in a smaller town, where I'm one of the main therapists for kids and teens. Um, it's hard because a lot of people from the surrounding area will come to my office and things. And then so many churches around here refer to me. So it's like, oh my gosh, how do you not run into somebody at the grocery store or the library with your kids? Or, you know, just lately it was a fall festival at a farm where I saw a couple of my clients in the back of my head. I'm like, just keep walking. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be mean. Um, and the funny thing is, when they're teenagers or college students, they want to come up to you, which I'm okay yeah, with that. Kids are that way, yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm okay with that. So I'm like, this is my friend. And I introduce them that way mm. because my girls are like, mom, who's this? You know, kind of thing. <laughs> this is my friend. How do you know this person? Oh, we go back, you know. <laughs> I just let it go that way, you know. So yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm glad my clients are comfortable like that, which to me, it says something that they're proud of their healing process mm -hmm. enough to want to come up and say hi to me or give me a hug or introduce me to their friends. Yeah. You know, um, that's, that's big for them. So I think that's even a step in their healing process to admit, you know, to some of their friends that are with them, Hey, I'm in therapy. And, you know, even though she introduced me as a friend, you can hear them walking away. That's my therapist. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute. So I'm like, Oh man, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's a wonderful thing. And, and that, yeah perspective the trusting is key though when you can go into a therapist's office and feel welcomed and you're not going to be judged you're not going to be told what to do like your mama would you know and and it's the non-judgment zone and being objective I there puts them more ease yeah. uh, to be able to talk to you and stuff and I tell them that first session in hey I'm not here to judge you not here to be your mama I'm not here <laughs> to tell you this is what you must be doing in life I'm here to say, how do you need me to help you walk through whatever it is we're facing today, you know, or that you have been facing and we want to overcome it, move through it and heal. Um, and they feel more relaxed with that. Yeah. That's the nice part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to tap into that a little bit more about like what to expect in yeah. therapy, because I know since the pandemic, like mm -hmm. it's been on a rise, a lot more people are feeling more comfortable reaching out to a therapist yeah. or receiving some type of professional help. But there, I think there's, and everybody's like, go see a therapist, go see a therapist. But I think that a lot of people have the misunderstanding of what that really is like. That mm -hmm. it's not like you going to a therapist doesn't mean that boom, you're going to be healed and fixed. Everything's going to be fixed or that going to the therapist, the therapist is going to fix and solve Right. all your problems and tell you everything to do mm -hmm. um it's more of a relationship like you're walk walk kind of like a guide and you're walking together with it and 
you really, as the client, as the patient, are directing the sessions more so than the therapist is. So can you, you know, explain more about that? Because I think there's a lot of misconception about that. And some people are like, even in the, in the faith community, you know, they're like, well, I don't need a therapist. I got Jesus. I just pray about it. But it's like, you yeah. also go to a doctor. <laughs> you also go to the dentist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You Same thing. You mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's health. See a doctor, specialist, professional for different parts of yeah. your body. You may still go to a hairdresser. I mean, may still go to a barber, but even with those situations, you are hiring, you know, even mm -hmm. though their doctor, whoever is telling you what to do or tell, giving you suggestions or advice, you ultimately are hiring them to give you care. And mm -hmm. so you have to advocate for yourself. And so that the same thing goes with therapy. Like you are basically hiring this person to like, give you some advice and tips and like help you along your journey, but yet you're still advocating for yourself and you're still in the driver's seat. So could you explain a little bit more about what to expect with therapy and like what it is and what it's not? Sure, sure. I think the big thing is, like you said, is therapy is not someone telling you what to do, when to do it and how to do it. It's more or less you come in because, and I learned this psychology 101, right back in the day, your thoughts become your feelings, your feelings become your behaviors, your behaviors become your actions, your actions become your habits. So somewhere along the way, we're caught up in something that's causing us issues in daily life. It's interrupting our daily living, where we feel stuck, where we feel like I've hit a glass ceiling, I don't know where else to go, what else to look for, what do I do? We've run into anxiety or depression or an eating disorder or you know, um, even physical things can surface in, in mental health with, with, you know, the diagnoses and things like that. So I think right away, we have to dismiss the stigma is that therapy is not for crazy people. <laughs> you know, we always think like schizophrenic, multiple personality disorder, like, Oh, what's going on? You know? yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not it though. It's because everybody wants to become a better person, plain and simple. And so when you walk into that therapy office, you know, usually the client is more nervous than anything. And that's to be expected. That's okay. You're talking to a stranger that doesn't know anything about you. And here you have to spill everything so they can get to know you in order to move forward with you. And so I think the first thing to know is be yourself, be comfortable. You talk about what you're comfortable talking about with. You don't have to lay it all out on the line for a session. It's allow me to get to know you so I can understand how to help you. Tell me about if there's any mental health history in your family. Tell me if there's any physical health history in your family in case we need to look for multiple things with what's going on. Or if it is something that I just feel stuck in my career, I don't know what to do with it because I'm good at this and I'm good at that. And I don't know how to combine the two. We just need to brainstorm together. Tell me where you're at with that. So I, I think, like I said, the first thing is just lay your stigma and misconceptions about therapy aside. It's not, you know, like I said, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life or what to do. I may make suggestions. Like if we have an addiction, we need to stop. <laughs> you know, we need to calm that so we can move forward with why we have the addiction root causes. So, and therapy is something that you have a third party in your life that's objective, that's non-judgmental, that's welcoming, that's on your team, that's your advocate that wants to see you heal mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. 
those four areas are so important. You miss one, you miss part of your healing process. So you have to realize when you go into therapy, that's what it's about. Nothing to be ashamed of. We've, we've all made mistakes. We've all made bad choices. As we say in the toddler realm, you know, (laughs) um, we all want to do things better in some areas of our life. And so a therapist is that person to help you do those things. Um, marriages, relationships, parent to child, um, yourself with things, you know, teens with stuff. I've seen as young as a four-year-old, you know, just mom and dad don't know what to do with this person because they're angry and upset all the time since the little, little, little one came along, you know, so how do we work this out? Well, let's understand where they're at. Let's think like they're thinking and how they're feeling. So it's not, I'm not a therapist that's going to come in and say, well, you stink as parents. You're ignoring this. You're no, it's let's get down on, you know, his or her level and figure out what's going on. It's someone just to come alongside of you and to say, let's kind of you know, ebb and flow with life together and see where we're, we're hitting snags or what in the past has caused a snag, you know, and then bring that to fruition so we can deal with it rather than avoid it. And it's snowball, you know, type thing. So, so expectations and therapy is what you make of it. It's, it's your session. It's like you said, the client guides that I'm not gonna, you know, be Sherlock Holmes and probe and dig. And there might be some things I'm like, tell me more about this. Okay. Do you understand how this fits with this? Do you understand why you think this way based upon how you were raised or this trauma situation? Um, but I'm not going to sit there and say, you need to tell me this right now, you know, kind of thing. It's tell me when you're ready, when you want to deal with that, I'm not going to push you. I want you to be comfortable. So when we do dig into that, it comes out and we can walk through that together. Um, and you know, it's, it's a joy walking through people like that with people like that. So they understand, like you said, it's not a therapist, you know, telling you or forcing you it's, you take control of your session as a client and you walk with the therapist through those things that you would like to deal with or have improvement upon. So, and then faith-based, you know, if, you know, I, I'm at an agency where it's not a Christian agency, you know, with, with biblical principles or anything, but everybody knows where I stand on things. So if someone calls in and they're like, we'd like a faith-based therapist, Misty gets those people. (laughs) So, and it's, I think it's great too, because I like being a part of everybody's life like that. It doesn't matter to me if you believe or you don't believe the thing is I'm a hope giver. That's my calling. And so in therapy, you're going to be granted hope when you walk in, you're not alone sinking in a pit. There's someone here saying, there's a rope, let's go, you know? So expect that in therapy. Someone, like I said, you know, to walk beside you, sit on the couch next to you and tell you it's going to be okay. And we're going to figure this out together that you're not hopeless, but there, all things are solvable and hopeful, you know, with things. So definitely, I really wish we could erase the stigma of therapy sometimes where people get these ideas, you know, floating out there. <laughs> Therapies for crazy people are only if you have real issues and, you know, or if you've had huge trauma in the past that you can't, you know, that have had a, you know, a mental disorder connected to that. It, therapy is so much more than that, you know? And then if you want to go further out, <laughs> can add music therapy, art therapy, equine therapy, pet therapy, emotional support animals. Like there's so much more to it um, that just help people cope in life. 
you know, or rise above and walk through situations because no one's ever educated them in that area. So therapy is even psychoeducational with things, you know, especially in today's day and age with the trans this and trans that. What does it really mean when you have an eight-year-old come in your office thinking she wants to be this, you know, well, let's talk about what that choice means. Let's talk about what is in your future if you're, this is what you're speaking today. And let's look at that. And not be afraid to talk to the parents about that either, you know, to, to educate the parents to say, hey, I know your kiddo's biggest fan. However, you know, let's look at these things, you know, to see where they lie, to see what lies ahead for them, you know, in all of those areas, the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. So, so expect psychoeducation, expect, you know, some cognitive behavioral therapy, some person-centered therapy, you know, expect, you know, your therapist to be welcoming and kind and caring and compassionate or else they wouldn't be in this calling. They wouldn't be in the professional helping field. So yeah, erase those stigmas. We got to get rid of that <laughs> for sure. So before we, before we got started, we talked a little bit about um, life as a therapist. Yes. And a lot of people not realizing that we also go through things. So for those of you, who, if this is your first time listening to the podcast or seeing me, meeting me, I, um, like I said earlier, I got my bachelor's in psychology and then I went on to get my master's in professional licensed mental health counseling. And I, um, right out the gate, <laughs> my first job was at, well, back up in grad school. I interned, you have to do a thousand hours before you can finish your degree. Yep. A thousand hours at the crisis stabilization unit. And so I was doing on crisis, I was on a crisis hotline. I was going out to um, people who were having crisis, meeting with the police. Um, I was helping with Baker acts, people being admitted. I worked at the rape and recovery center. So being one of the first people on scene at the hospital or at the center after someone was raped mm -hmm. and just giving emotional support. And then after graduate school, my first job was at a juvenile detention center for boys um, ages 13 to 18. And there was like a semi lockdown facility. So and you can go back and listen to other, you'll see like, I've just, I just kind of spiraled into very, very heavy, hard, you yeah. know, work. And mm -hmm. so the, the problem for me was I realized looking back is that, mm -hmm. you know, I eventually did get burnt out mm -hmm. and moved on from that. But I think one of the key things that I was missing was that I did not have the proper support that I needed in order to maintain that type of career. So especially if I was going to be doing heavy things, <laughs> heavy jobs like that, I think it's important. it was important, even though I was heavily involved in church, I still had faith, I was praying, I was reading my Bible, I was involved in church, I was on the praise team. Yeah. Um, so there was no problems there spiritually to say, I had friend groups and you know I had friendships and stuff, I had just gotten married. So, you know, things were going well there, you know, like you mentioned earlier there, it, there's like mind, body, I don't think you said mind, body, but you're saying like all the different components that are important. And if you're missing one piece, then it kind of like everything else can be affected by it. And for me, that piece was that I didn't have an outside, outside of my supervisor, I didn't have like a therapist or, you know, a support group, maybe for therapists or something. So I can just unleash like, because I can't, you can't also, you're not supposed to talk about your cases with your family and friends. 
So you're holding all of that in, like, who do I tell this to? <laughs> I guess I'm telling it to God and I'm not going <laughs> to journal about it because what if somebody finds it? <laughs> exactly. Ethical so issues. Holding, yeah. holding all of these things in and I never had a way to, a safe place to release it. And yeah. so I think that was one of the biggest, you know, faults that I had, if I could go back in time, would have been to, you know, have a therapist and go, and I was afraid myself to go to see a therapist, even though I was a therapist, I just kind of felt like, well, I didn't hear of any of the other, other my, I didn't hear of any of my other coworkers going to therapy or seeing anybody else. So I think maybe if I heard it, they were, I would have been like, okay, we can do this. Let's go and yeah. do that. But I didn't hear anybody else, you know, doing it. So I just figured I just had to hold this all myself. But um, yeah, definitely if I could go back in time, I would change. <laughs> I would change, I would change that. Um, so what would you say, like, have you, as you, for you as a therapist, have you ever gone through situations where, you know, our mental health challenges yourself and felt like, okay, I need to go see another professional to help me to work through this as I'm a therapist myself? Yeah. Yeah. There's been several moments, you know, and, and to me, I'm not ashamed to admit that there are days that are full of anxiety. Um, we listen to people's issues all day long. Um, and so a lot of that can be very, very heavy emotionally for us as therapists. Um, it can be very draining because you're not just sitting there very stoic or robotic in a sense. You're taking in everything they're saying because you're trying to understand where they're at to help them become better. And if you don't pay attention to even their body language or how they say something or the emotion behind something or the lack of emotion behind something, you're missing something with them. And you want to make sure you stay on top of that in a session because you want to make sure when you do a diagnosis that you haven't missed anything. Um, when you're writing your notes in order to remind you of the, you know, the last session for the next session, you want to make sure those key components that they've mentioned, you have that in order to begin where you left off and not miss a beat with things like that. Um, so having that all day long, every day um, can really wear on you. Uh, there's a lot of times where I think just because of my heart and I get upset thinking about it. So I'm so sorry. Um, my heart's so big for my clients that you just, you weep with them sometimes. You get frustrated with them, um, for them, not at them, but, but with them because of life's turns and you wish you could heal that for them right away or fix it right away, even though we know it doesn't happen overnight. Um, they have to work on that. That's their job to do. Um, that as a therapist, you have to be able to release those things. Um, and so for me, you know, talking to one of my colleagues once a month is very important to me or twice a month, depending on what's going on with some of my clients. You know, if there's suicidal attempts or ideations because a couple of my teen clients are just in depression over their head and they're allowing it to swallow them, um, that hits my heart as a mom, you know, as well as a therapist. And so you're on the phone with their parents and, and things and that, you know, the, the hospitals to make sure that your clients are okay. And you're advocating for them working with psychiatrists and things to help them. So where does all of that go at the end of the day? 
because it weighs on you. It just, it just does as a therapist. And like you said, I pray a lot for them after every, you know, a session, if they're not a believer and I'm helping them, then, you know, it's, I'm going to shut down for five minutes and Lord help them do what I can't do. You need to step in. You need to remind them who they are. If they don't know you, send them someone who does know you to help them through this, you know, allow me to listen to you and speak through me in order to grant hope um, and, and things as best as I possibly can. Um, and that goes, usually that helps a lot with me, you know, that I can release that, but there are some situations that it's just, what do I do with this? I don't know what to do with this sometimes. Cause I feel like there's layers of people, you know what I mean? To a person, I should say, and you get through one and it's, oh my goodness, there's something else, you know, so let's work through this. And so talking to, you know, my supervisor or another colleague, we don't mention names. We don't mention ages. We don't mention, Hey, they're in this office or that office or this location or this high school. Um, it's I'm, I have this client and this is what's taking place. And I feel like we get through one thing and we get to the next thing. I know it's exhausting for them. It's exhausting for me. How can I help them best? How do I help me best to help them best and get through this situation with them or to help guide them through this because they seem like they're at a loss. Um, so it's so important to have that dialogue with another therapist, you know, in, in that sense. And then, you know, we do have challenging clients that no matter what you say, it's nope, nope, nope. <laughs> like oh okay why are you here you know kind of thing and so I'm not one to say okay bye we're done you know if, if you're gonna act this way if you're not gonna pursue your healing process we're done you know um so I, I talked to my colleague okay I have a challenging client what do I do with this situation if in session they just want to sit there and mess around on the phone or they're in shutdown mode and I know typically those people are the ones that are hurting the most and so that's why I hate to turn people away because I know there's there's something there they need to deal with deeply but there there's a lot of pride there's a lot of ego there's a lot of repression taking place um to where they might not know where to begin and so the frustration level will build within me. And I'm like, okay, we need to talk this session. Like, come on, you know? So it's important to talk to a colleague just to say, hey, have you tried this? Or have you tried that? And it's okay. It's not you, it's them. They need to be able to work because this is their session. They come in with the problem. They talk about their issue. They're going to leave with it if they choose to do so. And so I have to remind myself of those things. So, you know, having someone, another therapist or a supervisor to talk to is very important. And even when we go through things in life as a therapist, it could be loss of a loved one. It could be, you know, our own anxieties and frustrations because no one's perfect. You know, no one was is without a flaw. And so we're human. We all have clay feet. And so we do have anxiety. We do have episodes of depression. We do have, you know, other things that are flowing through our lives that we have to deal with as a professional as well. So it doesn't bleed into, you know, our professional life. So we have to deal with it on a personal level in order to service clients better and things like that and to keep it, you know, there's a boundary there that you don't want to cross and things with transitions and things like that. So your transference, I should say. So yeah, exactly. So it's nice to be able to, to talk to um, another therapist like that. And, and another big thing I think sometimes is, you know, as a therapist, have you ever been on meds, you know, kind of thing? Well, you don't understand because you've never had to take antidepressants or anti-anxieties or anti-psychotics. And I'm thinking, mm, don't, me. you know, <laughs> I love a good Lexapro, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, 
And, and not to say that because it's like, oh, meds are wonderful. They are very helpful. It's another tool that you can use. But even me as a professional, I was on Lexapro for a year going through a really dark time in my life, very challenging part in my life that I super clung to my faith because that's what I knew best and my supportive family members and friends. And um, my therapist had told me, because I had gone through a year or two of therapy myself dealing with this issue. Um, it, it was just an eye-opener when she looked at me and she said, I think your anxiety is at a level where we need to do a little bit more with this. You're doing really well in therapy, but I think to do much better and to give you, you know, these self-coping tools and self-regulation with your anxiety, let's kind of bring it down a notch with some meds. Mm -hmm. And so there was Lexapro. And I, at first I was like, oh my gosh, like people are going to, it's like, what a therapist on Lexapro, what are you doing? Like, I don't know if I want to come see you, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but when you think about your own mental health, it's worth it. And like you said, do you go to a doctor when you're sick? Do you get meds for that? You know, do you go see a dentist when there's something going wrong with your teeth or just to have them checked up on, you know? And, and you do the things to take care of those things. It's the same thing with our mental health, whether we're a therapist or a client, you do what you need to do to give yourself peace of mind and peace of heart, you know? And if that means using medications for a short amount of time to help you cope, to bring you down a level so you can look at things for what they are and not add into those things and make them worse, that's what you do, you know? And even after my first little one with Amelia, um, because I had preeclampsia so bad, um, because there was a miscarriage, she was supposed to be a twin. Um, she was a preemie and in NICU for a couple days. And it's not because she had any developmental issues. It was jaundice, but being a new mom, there are so many worries that go along with that, you know, and it, and they flood your mind sometimes. And so I had postpartum anxiety, you know, at, to a point where I was like, what is going on? Like, this doesn't feel right. I loved her dearly. It didn't interrupt care for her or anything. It was me. And I was letting these, you know, worries and fears creep into my head, you know, to where I would lay awake at night and just watch her sleep to make sure she was okay. And it was like, I, I can't live like that. Like, because then I'm super tired. How can I be a good mom and take care of her if I can't take care of myself? So entering therapy, you know, for that type of thing, just talking, you know, one-on-one -on -one, um, was one of my good friends as a therapist. Um, she was more like a second mom type thing, you know, um, in Florida, love her to death. Um, she's retired now. Um, but sometimes every now and then when I have Florida friends that need a therapist, I'm like, call Miss Patty because you know? <laughs> I, I just I love her so much um but she we sat like knee to knee on the couch and I just told her listed all my fears as a new mom you know and things and she's like girl you gotta let this go you know she prayed with me she talked to me we went through a book together on new moms and and things and it was just very um it was very eye-opening to me I looked at myself I looked at how I wanted to be a parent. I looked at my own mental health in, in that state for that time. Um, and I just knew like, okay, let's, let's get it together, you know, kind of thing. Was I still practicing at the time? Absolutely. Um, and that was one of the first things that I asked her. I was like, am I a bad therapist? She's like, no, you're a human. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, should I stop seeing clients? She's like, why <laughs> have you lost your objectivity? I'm like, no, she's like, then you wouldn't stop, you know? And I'm like, okay, point. That's a good point. I got this, you know? Um, so it was, it was really interesting in that fact that, you know, even meeting with clients, you know, having that anxiety and working through it myself, 
um, understanding them on a deeper level when it came to those things, you know? Um, so that was, I don't know. I didn't regret any of that. You know, I absolutely enjoyed every minute. Um, so when anyone says, you know, would you go to therapy? If someone asked you, I'd be like, yep, I'm, I'll be the first one in the office because it's just, you can improve on yourself like that. Retrospective, introspective, all of it in that sense. And you begin to prioritize your mental health, um, which is so important because, like I said, your mind, oh, your mind controls it all. Mm-hmm. It just does. It, it operates your whole being like that. And if we can't have self-regulation and we don't understand where our mind is and how our feelings can control us instead of us controlling and managing them, the takeover that can happen in our lives. And then, then that begins that cyclical effect, you know, with the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, and the physical, you know, to where if I would have let my anxiety go any further, it would have been the nausea, the headaches, the, I can't sleep, I can't eat. And how are you to operate like that as a new mom or as anyone, do you know what I'm saying? In any walk of life like that. So it's like you said, it's just like going to a doctor, a dentist or anything in order to take care of yourself in that fashion. So yeah, absolutely. No shame there. Not at all, you know, Um, but self-improvement, becoming a better person, you know, and on the flip side of that, to add in the faith base right there, God always brings ministry and has a purpose for your pain, no matter what it is anxiety, depression, you know, going through different things in life, loss, no matter financial struggles, marital struggles, there's a purpose to that. It's not just about you all the time, but there's a teaching point to that. There's an educational realm that could be for you, but it's for other people watching you as well. Um, And for me, going through those different things in my life, there was definitely ministry because of that, for sure. Um, and I realized that the more those people kept coming through my door, you know, I was like, oh, God, I got this. Okay, now I understand why that happened for this to be orchestrated. Okay, you know, or with different anxiety, you know, points when new moms contact me, I just need someone to talk to. My husband doesn't understand. I don't know what to do with this. I just feel like I'm not the typical mom. Something's going on. I feel a little off. It's calm down. Let's figure this out. It's going to be okay. You know, I've been there. We got this, you know, it's, it's not as bad as you think it is, you know, immediately begin to set peace into somebody's life because of that, you know, and I'm not saying you have to experience everything your clients experience in order to get them. Jesus didn't do that either. You know, he didn't become a wino because (laughs) he wanted to preach to the drunk, you know what I'm saying? He did that on his own, but he had a level of compassion and caring that no matter what I love you and I'm going to help you. And and to this day, he's this way. And so I, I've patterned myself along those lines, you know, whether people I see are believers or not believers, it's, this is what I'm committed to in the helping profession. And we're going to see this through together. And so when you're a therapist entering therapy yourself, you feel the same way. And you generate that between you and your therapist to walk through what it is you need to walk through and you learn about yourself and you learn about how to serve others in the same fashion and form. You know, there's, there's times where I've had sessions where I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, where do I go with this? And then I remember something my therapist had said to me or my conversations with Dr. Hazelbaker back at Southeastern Misty, did you think about this? What about this? Let's approach it this way. Ah, okay. And I remember those for different clients. I'm like, Hmm, okay, let's look at it this way. You know, there's, there's more than one way to crack an egg, you know? So, and and so with therapy for a therapist is not doom and gloom ever, (laughs) you know, you're improving yourself and having self-care in order to care for others. 
So, and releasing some of that, what could be heaviness after you've helped, you know, eight people in a day, back to back every hour on the hour, skipping lunch, you know, (laughs) know, before you get home to be with your kids and your husband or spouse, and just to say, what's going on now, (laughs) you know? Um, So letting some of that go is just, you know, and there's coping tools that I use, you know, just, you know, not only just reading the Bible, but there's worship music that I absolutely love that take my mind to a different place that I can lay things down. And um, oh yeah, sorry about that. Um, but yeah, yeah. So yeah. What keeps rolling in my head is like preventative care, like going to therapy is also like preventative care, your maintenance. And especially if you are in any type of helping profession or even in ministry, I see ministry, you know, pastors and ministers and all that as, you know, they're helping professionals, teachers are helping you're, if you're doing anything to help somebody, you know, outside of yourself to help improve their life in any way, that's a helping profession and you're pouring out your cup has to get refilled at some point. You can't pour from an empty cup. And so I just, that's what I keep, you know, I try to remind myself that I haven't been, I'm I'm feeling convicted right now because (laughs) I haven't been to therapy in a year. This month makes one year. And I, I felt very proud of myself for being able to get that, to be able to go that long. Because once I did get into therapy, I was going like, every week it was going it went from like weekly to bi-weekly and then monthly and then we were able to stretch it out more and then I was doing good and then the pandemic came (laughs) and I had to go all the way back (laughs) and rebuild myself back up to the the lengths of time in between Mm -hmm. the reason why I decided to um to stop or not you know schedule another appointment was I felt like I got to a point where I'm like okay at some point, I'm going to need to start taking everything that she's taught me that we all these tools and stuff and start really putting them to work and see how yeah. well can I live life with all of these new tools and all this new education and information that I now have. Like you were saying, it's also psychoeducational. Mm-hmm. Even as a therapist, there are still things that, you know, that apply to me that it may not have learned in school or seen somewhere else that I learned about myself and how I, you know, just function in the world in general. Mm -hmm. Now it's time to take all of that and put it into practice (laughs) without my guide. And so I've been able to make it a year and I've been like so proud of myself, like, okay, we made it a year, but now Mm -hmm. I'm feeling convicted. Like it's okay to go back for maintenance. Yes. And even if it is a once a year, maybe once every six months, it doesn't, I don't have to go back to how it was before because I'm not in that place anymore. I've grown and I've healed so much since when I first started. Um, And for me, my issue was postpartum depression and anxiety. So um, it was just so intense. That's why I had to go so often. For me, I needed that extra support outside of family, outside of friends, outside of church. I needed that person out there that who was completely removed from what was going on to be able to speak you know life into me and help me to realize um like you were saying there like the therapist that told you is like oh you need that's not she helped me make things that were like so like 
like when I look back I'm like really you were thinking that way <laughs> yeah <laughs> but in the moment like you're just like oh. but you know, they was like help bring me back to like reality and like affirm me and like remind like you're doing such a great job yeah this is going on but like have you ever looked at it this way or and that is what really started helping my mind to shift and like start to get there like okay what everything that I'm playing up in my mind is not reality it may be reality for somebody but for me it's not and this is how we're going to move through that so I'm so proud of how far I've come but I'm like I said I'm feeling convicted like okay I need to give her a call myself (laughs) an appointment I also want to be able to go to her and be like look how much I've grown. Like you really helped me. Look how much I've grown. Like, let's see if maybe if there is anything else that I need to now, I, now I have the capacity and the growth. Now I can tap into something else and see, like, okay, let's work on this now, since that is no longer the issue. And I know how to deal with that. Now, like, let's look if there's something else that I can, you know, work on and, yeah. and get better on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's great too. And, and like you said, like maintenance of that, because it was, it's something that you would do on your house. It's something you would do on your car, taking it at every 10,000 miles. Like those check-ins are always great in that sense. And, and I do the same thing, you know, just mm-hmm. once every three months, you know, with one of my colleagues, it's, how are you? I'm okay. You're okay. Type thing, you know, or once every six months, what's going on with this? You know, how are you in this area? You know, I, I think that's wonderful. And like you said, there's always something to work on to become a better person, better parent, better wife, better, you know, anything in that sense. So new dreams come up, you know, and you want to make an action plan for those things. So sometimes it's nice just to bounce it off someone else besides your spouse, you know, or pastor and things. So absolutely checking in like that is always helpful, you know, to help maintain. Yeah. One thing I, I posted this maybe like a year or two ago, I was like, every first time parent, it should be like mandatory for parents to go, like our parents to be, to go to like a parenting class. Let's take a parenting course. (laughs) Because there is so much that you think that you're ready. And then when it happens, you're like, wait a minute, what? (laughs) Right, yeah. I think the same thing for new moms or new parents that even if you don't take a parenting course before you have kids, to, you know, as a new parent, do, do seek out, you know, some professional help. You may not, as a mom, you might not, you know, be having postpartum depression. It may right. not be baby blues. You may be like completely, totally fine, but just as a transition, like that's a major transition, no matter yeah. how many kids you can go from two to four and that's still going to be yeah. or two to three and it's still going to be a transition. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, looking back and just thinking about it I think for any you know new mom you know especially moms or whoever the primary caregiver is um but more so moms because we're going through those hormonal changes um Mm -hmm. or even if you adopted you know or you had a surrogate it's still transition I think it's important to seek you know seek out a therapist maybe Mm -hmm. for the first couple of months just as you transition to help you to like Mm -hmm. again get those irrational thoughts under control and help ease your mind as you like move into this new season of your life. Um, I think that that would have been like really helpful for me the first time around because I didn't I didn't go to therapy until my second son when it was like really severe yeah. for me because I didn't get help the first time around. It kind of like just stacked. stacked yeah. On. So um, just like the every day to day things like you know, is it okay for me to sleep when they're sleeping or do I have to do all the like, do I have to be like to help dispel like that whole super mom 
thing. Yeah. I think that's what like really gets us that super mom mentality. That I have to do everything. Yep. And if it does, it's not done the way I did it, then it's not done right at all. <laughs> yep, exactly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so many levels of that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like, when I look back, I think I'm like, yeah. And, it, and it's like, it does get easier the more kids you have. Um, Cause they're like, you know, the first time you have your kid and you're like, ah, helicopter mom. Then the mm. second one, you're like, okay, I'll lean back. By the fifth one, you're just like, whatever, you, you'll be all right. You it's not like right you don't in. care. Mm-hmm. It's just that you're more realistic. Right. And, exactly. you know. Yeah. And that's a good thing that you mentioned, because I think as new parents, we all have these expectations. And hypothetically, before we had kids, it's, I'm going to be this way as a mom. I'm going to be this way. My kids aren't going to eat that. They're not going to do this. We're going to have bedtimes. We're going to, you know, and we're going to stick to this routine. And then the kids here, and you're like, oh man, what just happened? <laughs> Everything <laughs> out the window. And it's, okay, what does my kid need right now? And how do I want to do this? And so you be, you get into a process or routine and a flow that's according to you and your kiddo. Mm -hmm. And so that's what fits you best. So again, like, like you said, to have the new parent class or to meet with a therapist to say, this is a life change for me. We went from me and my spouse to a child and from sleeping through the night to up every two hours and we don't know the meaning of exhaustion till it's mom exhaustion, you know, and we're <laughs> function in the house because of the lack of sleep, you know, um, it, I think it'd be helpful to say, you know, like, this is what you need to expect as a new parent, you know, and let's be realistic about those things. Not everyone is the same. You may or may not experience these things. However, keep this in the back of your head that if thus and so happens, this is normal. And you just make adjustments according to that and things. Um, and then when baby number two comes along or three or four, how do we all function as a family? Yeah. You know, and, and what do I want to do as a mom to keep the, the fluidity moving through my family and the routine going? Um, so I think that's important, you know, and I see a lot of new moms, <laughs> you know, just, and there's different hangups with that, you know. Um, breastfeeding, bottle feeding, what do I allow them, my toddler to eat while I'm trying to help the newborn. And, you know, and then I feel like I lost my identity as a, as a, as a wife, as a female, as, you know, I went from working to not working and what do I do with this? And my friends are out doing that. And it's like, well, I have to find a babysitter if I want to go do this. And then I feel bad because I'm not at home with my kids. And so mom guilt plays into that. And it's, those are all things that we have to work out you know, and that's mental, that's emotional, that's physical, and that's spiritual. So we have to look at those things. So a new parent class or seeking out a therapist, you know, when a new baby comes, whether it's, you know, biologically, or like you said, adoption wise, it's a huge adjustment for everybody, you know, and even as they grow through the years, I feel like as a parent, we figure out one phase, and then it's like, oh, they're on to this phase (laughs) Just as soon as you mastered one thing, it's like, oh, they moved on. Like, oh, okay, now I got to catch up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's bad enough keeping up with their clothes and shoes and right. <laughs> you know? So it's like, okay, wait a second, you know? So it's it's nice to have a set of moms or parents that you can go to to say, hey, I know you have teenagers and I have a little tweener here. So what am I going to expect? You know, knowing that your kid may or may not be like that, but it's just good head knowledge to have, you know, or, or like you said, like a parent group or whatever else, you know, a, a therapist just to bounce things off of in that sense. I mean, honestly, you would call the pediatrician 
Mm-hmm. You had a question about development with your kids or even as a parent, am I feeding them the right things? Am I doing the right things? So why can't you have a therapist to bounce things off of like that? To yeah. say, you know, what, it's a good time I check in. I'm going to call and get an appointment for the next couple of weeks, you know, just to kind of make sure I'm okay. And I'm, I'm thinking the way that I should be thinking and being realistic and not putting all these expectations on myself as a parent and, and trying to put those onto my kids or my spouse. And then we're creating chaos, mm-hmm. you know, so, or unneeded drama with those things. Um, so we want to stay the course in a steady fashion as much as possible, <laughs> you know, with that life happens, we have and flow right. with that, but there's better ways to do it than others. And, you know, so it's, it's just nice to have someone to talk to in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking about it. If I do, if I ever go back to the field traditionally, yeah, yeah. I think I might specialize in new parents. <laughs> there's a huge need I, for that. I think, I think I could do that. Yeah, I, I could do that. I, I feel like I naturally do that whenever somebody like the first, like towards the end of the pregnancy, yeah. you know, checking in more that mm-hmm. postpartum period because of what I went through. I'm more checking like, are you sure you good? You good? Yeah. Couple months after that, you know, and then I kind of like just fall off. <laughs> I'm like, why did I do that? Like that's not. <laughs> but maybe like that's my my special sweet sweet. Yeah, sweet. absolutely. So, yeah, we'll see. You guys never know. Keep me in That'd be cool. <laughs> All right. Somebody told me I should be a mom coach. So see there if there's a certification out there for that. I have I have been kind of looking at that. Who um, are you? I don't know if I'll edit this out, but <laughs> hey, I think if, I if anybody knows of a mom coach certification that you think that would be a good fit for me, let me know. Email. Yeah. <laughs> it's like life coach but you're specializing with moms Mm -hmm. and the need is so big with that you know there's so many women like even after the pandemic and I hate to give credit to that but (laughs) even after the pandemic it's what do I do with my kids we've been in the house for a year together like I'm gonna lose my sanity I had so many moms in my therapy schedule it was just you know, how do I deal with this? How do I do it? I'm used to working and them coming home or I'm used to having the house to myself to get the things done that I, yeah. I need to get done. And now they're here all the time. What do I do? I feel like now I definitely don't have a break with things. And I'm like, okay, we're going to build a routine. We're going to take mm-hmm. breaks. We're going to be kid-free for a while with whatever, going for a walk and switching off with the spouse and, yeah. you know, type thing. So mom coaching, I mean, there you go. Well needed. <laughs> You heard, it, you heard it here for first folks <laughs> the first one to get behind you on it is good so thank you so much missy this has been such a great conversation um we hit so many important parts i believe and i know that a lot of people will be able to like relate to some part yes. <laughs> and you know feel inspired educated about it but last question would be if there is anyone out there who is still struggling with feeling like they have to choose between mental health and getting a professional you know therapist and help or just sticking with god and just mm-hmm. sticking with the faith if there's somebody who is struggling with feeling they have to choose one or the other and you know are having a hard time you know seeing that both can coexist mm-hmm. um do you have any advice or tips for them yeah, I would say push through, push through that. There's there's a fear there of some kind or a guilt that you have to choose one or the other when you don't. Um, Jesus many times walked away from the crowd, got in the boat, went to the island, got alone in the Garden of Gethsemane to talk to the mighty counselor himself. 
Um, and so why should we hesitate when it comes to that? You know, God asks us to be good stewards of, of all things. And that includes our mind and our bodies. And I think just like you would go to the doctor's office and not struggle with your faith, um, the therapist is along those same lines, you know? So don't hesitate, call, interview a therapist, find out what they're all about, what they believe, what they don't believe. See if they're a good fit for you. If you feel like they're not a good fit, their beliefs don't mesh with yours, move on to the next one. You know, ask a pastor um, if they you know, want to refer you to somebody that they know that has a good integration of psychology and biblical wisdom, um, then do what you're comfortable with or seek out a Christian counseling place so you know you're going to get the best of both with that, with someone who's seasoned and experienced and understands how much it means to incorporate biblical principles to a healing process. So um, walk through that, you know, walk through that and get the help that you need, just like you would go into a doctor or a dentist or providing care for your kiddo. Um, just keep walking through that. And remember, no matter what, you're connected to your faith. You know, whether you're talking to somebody about life issues or you're alone doing that with God, you're, you're connected to your faith no matter what. You know, in, in my past, I never questioned going to a therapist because it's, do you want to take care of yourself? Then if you do, you need to go to somebody who can help you do that. You know, um, and so I found someone that I believed that had my same belief systems that understood how much those were important to me and went that direction. And never once did I look back, you know, but I learned so much from the process. So be comfortable with it, settle in. And the other flip side to that is if you have a pastor or a church that's saying, you're not a believer if you go to a therapist or if you take meds for any diagnoses, mm, that's not biblical either. You know, never once in the Bible does Jesus say, run away from your meds, run away from anyone that could help you. You know, um, you got to balance all things with God's word. And if it's not in it, it's not in it. So you know, do what's best for you. That's going to give you peace of, and seek out the help that you really want to have, including that faith integration into your therapy process. Thank you. That's so good. That's so good. You, it doesn't have to be one or the other, it can be both. If anything, faith is the foundation, but seeking outside help is like the icing on the cake. Yes. Just another tool that's available out there. Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid to take advantage of it. So if there's anyone who wants to reach out to you, they have more questions, want to connect, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, absolutely. My email, it's ml, and my last name, Seibert, S-E-Y-B-E-R-T, at gmail.com. And you can just put a little blurb in there about questions, concerns, something you might be struggling with, and I'll help all I can. If it's something that I feel needs to be more in person because of maybe the depth of the situation or what's taking place, I'll gladly help connect you to a person in, in Florida or wherever you're at listening to this podcast um, with other therapists that are just as qualified. So absolutely. Perfect. Thank you so much, Misty. Sure. Again, I can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough. <laughs> yeah, anytime. Anytime. It was so good chatting with you. Thanks for the convictions and <laughs> the oh. reminders. <laughs> I think Just I will give her a call, my therapist, to call this week. Like, hey, girl. I'm yeah. back. <laughs> yep. Aww. All right. Well, everyone, I will have all of Misty's um, information. Her email will be in the description bar. 
And if there are any other resources um, that we feel will be helpful to you, wanting to bridge the gap between mental health and faith, I will definitely have that in the description as well. And um, until next time, stay well, be blessed, and um, have a great one. Bye. Okay, one more thing before you go. If you found any value to this episode, please don't just keep it to yourself, girl. Spread the word. You never know who needs it too. So what you can do is screenshot this episode and post it to social media. Don't forget to tag me at Desiree Ofori. You can share the link with someone special or give us a rating and review on Spotify or Apple iTunes. Like I said, you just never know who else needs this. So thanks so much for your support. And until next time, be blessed.